You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome, listener. This is episode 53 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. As always, joining me are Matt and Nathan Van Horn, and as always, me, your humble host, Gandalf Savage, continuing to talk these 30 minutes about the narrative of the city of Babel. And if you've been listening to us for the past couple of episodes, you know, um, I won't say we've been stuck in Babel. That's too, that's not the right word. We, we've been thoroughly just, just laying, laying a good foundation for what we're right. trying to build on. That's right. We, we keep, we keep on putting down those hewn burnt bricks to build <laughs> the foundation of the story of the city of Babel. Um, but just like the, the citizens of the city of Babel, we have become scattered because we've been talking recently about um, elements of the story that are important to Babel, but they're not found in Genesis, right? We've been in Deuteronomy recently, last episode. Right. So my question is for you guys, where are we going to be today? Well, we're going to go back to Deuteronomy 32, and we're going to continue okay. to talk about it. And honestly, it was probably... For some of you, new information, maybe Deuteronomy 32 is not even a passage you've looked at before. So uh, I know some of you all who listen, listen in like uh, binge listening, like you listen to three or four episodes at a time. So maybe you just got through listening to the other one and you haven't really gotten time to process it yet. Um, But uh, this is also one of those episodes that if this is your first episode, you might want to listen to last week's before you listen to today. Absolutely. Hey, one other, one other note on that. I want to say something, just, just an appreciation. Um, I can't say thank you enough to the folks who have taken time to write a written review on iTunes. We've had several of those lately and they're very helpful and they're encouraging. And also people who take time to send us an email from better than fiction, Bible podcast.com who fill out the form and send us feedback. Really appreciate that. Oh, also, one other detail. If it sounds like <laughs> I'm going through a car wash, it's because the the building that I'm recording in is being power washed today on the outside. So you're hearing the pressure washer just outside my window. So such is life. Well, see, listener, that this is the drawback of being the pastor of First Baptist because the uh, humble media director that I am, I don't have a corner office like Pastor Matt. That's <laughs> right. So I, I am insulated. You're in a dark, you're in a dark, a dark cell with no windows. Uh, <laughs> oh, you, you mean the corner office that is like at the very end of the air conditioning chain that it's either too and, hot and, or too and closest cold. to the cross street trains, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the, cro- the cross city train traffic. It is place. a beautiful <laughs> location in the building though. I'm very grateful. Well, Matt, you were talking, Talking about oh thanks for doing my job for me I, I forgot about the reminding people to write to write in <laughs> my office is on the second floor I was deemed too noisy and I infringed upon the productivity of my colleagues <laughs> <laughs> well Matt uh, something I did want to ask about or maybe just make mention of from last week's episode we were talking a lot about the the sons of God and the idea that 
they were they were the ones ruling over these you know people after they've become scattered from Babel, and we made a, we made the comparison between the, the the other cultures pantheon of gods. Every single culture has some kind of you know God hierarchy system. No, there is no natural atheistic culture coming out of Babel. So I will say that is growing up in you know a more traditional Southern Baptist you know, setting, that is a little bit strange to me because the one thing you do here growing up, and I'm still convinced of it, uh, I'm not like Nathan who is going from, I don't believe it to, oh yeah, actually this is probable to me. I'm not like that, like Nathan. Well, he never actually, said he didn't believe it. He just said it was... <laughs> I'm just, I'm just yeah, messing yeah, with yeah. Nathan. He said possible, and then he moved to probable. Blessed are the yeah. peacemakers. That, That's what Jesus said. Blessed are the peacemakers. <laughs> and uh, I, I have actually, I, I was just kind of joking when I said I didn't believe it, but I, um, because... You talk about this a lot, Matt, of uh, the idea of the sons of God. We talk about it a lot on the podcast, but it's going to be very interesting to a listener, I think, who is maybe not as familiar with that idea well, going into this week's episode. Yeah. You know what You know what I found interesting after last week? What's that? Um, so the only two translations that I can think of that we mentioned in last week's episode were the ESV, which is what we use for the podcast, and the CSB. And we mentioned the CSB because that's what I preach from on Sunday mornings. So in the ESV, in Deuteronomy 32.8, it goes with sons of God. In the mm-hmm. CSB, it goes with sons of Israel. And so after hey, we... Re- Nathan, could you would you just reread from the ESV, just so we can have it in our brain? Read, read whole verse 8 again. Uh, Deuteronomy 32.8 in the ESV reads... When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the people according to the number of the sons of God. And then in 9 it says, but the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob his allotted heritage. Um, And so one of the points Matt made last week is even if you're reading that in English, um, you know, we have the divide. A lot of translations at the end of 8 go with sons of God and others go with sons of Israel. One of the strongest points Matt made from English is if it's sons of Israel, uh, just within the flow of the literature, does not make as much sense because you're talking about fixing the borders of coming uh, of the peoples according to the number of the sons of something. Uh, well, if that were the sons of Israel, Israel and Jacob would be the same. Jacob is renamed as Israel, and it seems like there's a direct contrast, right, between 8 and 9. So it's the nations are in verse 8, 9 is God's peoples. Uh, we know the nations from Genesis 10, number 70. Uh, Israel numbers not 70, but 12. Um, what's, what's so interesting, though, for me is, you know, after last week's episode, uh, Matt and I looked at a lot more translations, and it's interesting because for those who do go with the sons of God reading, there is no question for those uh, translations how sons of God is supposed to be interpreted. Uh, sons of God for them is definitely uh, language connoting divine or spiritual beings. Uh, again, not uppercase single G God lowercase g, plural, gods. Uh, so Matt, Matt, let's talk about a few of the more notable translations on that. Well, some of the more common notable translations, I mean, there's a, probably a lot of people who listen to this podcast that have a New Living translation laying around somewhere at the house. Uh, New Living translation translates it this way. 
when the Most High assigned lands to the nations, when he divided up the human race, he established the boundaries of the peoples according to the number in his heavenly court. So they just make it, they make sons of God one and the same with divine counsel. Right. I mean, clearly that's an interpretive decision here um, because uh, the, the Hebrew there is depending on which manuscript you're using, um, either sons of God or sons of Israel. Can I, can I tell you, one of the most interesting ones for me uh, was the NRSV. Oh, yeah. Uh, what what be- in the world is the NSRV? Yeah, NRSV is the New Revised Standard Version. This is, if you take intro to Bible in most colleges, whether it's a private college or a secular college, this is kind of like the critical English Bible um, it's it's the Bible used, I think, in the Anglican um, or the American Episcopal Church. Uh, I say that because some of the Bibles that have um, sons of God might be accused of having like a certain bent. Like, you know, we've mentioned Heiser. Heiser is one of the translators in the Lexham English Bible. And so it's not surprising when the Lexham English Bible goes with sons of God, Right. Um, but when you have that from the NR, when you have that from the NRSV, that's a very different story for me. Yeah. Um, and the NRSV goes with Sons of God. I think that's interesting. Um, mm. Matt, what what was the one that you uh, oh, told me about the, that takes yeah, it a step con- further? Yeah, the contemporary English version. Yeah, uh, that's it. This this is interesting to me because clearly this is an interpretive decision. Gandalf, you tell me how this hits you. All right. So that. God Most High gave land to every nation. He assigned a guardian angel to each of them. Oh, that 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 feels really colloquial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So clearly, but, but, interpretive but see, decisions are being made. But you see, you know, so in past episodes, we've we've discussed how concepts like divine counsel, sons of God, language, angelic figures, heavenly beings, how that's connected. You see how they are under those who go with the sons of God reading from the Septuagint and from the Dead Sea Scrolls. You you see that they say, okay, well, if that's the reading, this is the conceptual ballpark we're playing in. Hmm. By the way, I I might lose this vote, but I think we need to name this song after that Alabama. I mean, this episode after that Alabama song. Oh, I believe there are angels among us. Okay. <laughs> Nathan doing his best to get this uh, episode copy struck. Brother, they're not going to hear that and copy strike anything. They're going to mute it. <laughs> so can I, can I just throw a, a little bit of a detail here that I think um, we just typically don't think about? The whole let us language from Genesis 1 that we talked about way back mm. when, like a year ago, when we were like in that Genesis was like episode one. five or something. Right. The let us language. And we talked about that. Our position was that it's most likely refers to the heavenly court. The let us language appeared again in Genesis 11. We just looked at it a few weeks ago. So That's it, right. it is interesting to me that if the us of the let us is the heavenly court, at least they're on the scene here in Genesis 11 because God says, let us go down and confuse their language. Well, what's, so, what's interesting is, again, uh, if we're you know, reading this in tandem with Deuteronomy 32, the division of the nations is when you have the assigning of the sons of God to those nations in Deuteronomy 32. In, right. Genesis, in, in Genesis 10, 
the table of nations, the division of the nations is also when you have the dividing of their languages. Um, right. And what's and what what will be really interesting? I know we're not on Abraham yet, uh, but they will make a really big deal. One of the questions for Jewish interpreters is how Abraham could keep the law even when he lived centuries before Sinai. And one of the ways that some answer that question is, oh, an angel of the Lord came down and taught him Hebrew because the rest of the world didn't know it anymore. <laughs> um, uh, so I think I think they used the angel Raphael. Um, either that or my kids were watching Ninja Turtles the other day. I think they have the <laughs> I, I, I think I think it's in Jubilees they have uh the angel Raphael teaching Abraham post Babel they have uh Raphael teaching Abraham Hebrew because so, after the division of the na- uh nations under the sons of God you have multiple languages. So if we're but if we're looking at this and let's let's stick with the ESV for the purpose of discussion. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. So if the sons of God here, if it is the heavenly court, just to remind us of Genesis 11, listen to what happens in Genesis 11 verses 7 and 8. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. So the division, I mean, those those are that's one verse right after the other. This whole let us, whoever the us is coming down, it it's almost like it's happening in tandem with the division. Okay, so with all this being said, I do have a question. Mm-hmm. Maybe you guys can help shed some light on this. Whether you're going with, you know, guardian angel or divine counsel, heavenly court, sons of God. It's clear that the nations are being all divided up and they're being assigned to these divine beings. My question, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Ooh, that is a good question. That that is a good question. It, yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's kind of a mixed bag. Um, Matt, you want to go first? Yeah. So it's interesting to me that, uh, it's a discipline, I think, but discipline doesn't necessarily mean for our bad. It's a, it's a discipline with a mercy, right? Yeah. So um, like this almost happened to Israel. And in fact, I think that's we a can great, make, that's a great example to go to. We're, ta- I th- we're ta- I th- talking about Sinai. Right. So, and if we remind ourselves, <laughs> okay, oh my goodness, I'm just now thinking about this of living the Exodus while they're reading Genesis. Yahtzee, that's it. Oh, man, this almost happened to them. So we're oh, going man. to Exodus 33, right? Yeah, this is Exodus 33. So Gandalf, this is right after the Golden Calf episode. So oh, was they, it, it, that wasn't good. Right after, right. They built, right after they built something they shouldn't have built, you mean? <laughs> right. Uh, yes, and then they came down off the and, mountain. And, and worshipped it and worshipped it as a god, you say? Yeah. Illuminati confirmed. Yeah, and then and then Moses came down and then he um shattered the the um the tablets. So, interestingly enough though, is God says to the people after all that happens, he says this in verse let's just start at verse number 1 of Exodus 33. The Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here, 
you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to a land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob saying to your offspring, I will give it. But listen to verse two, I will send an angel before you and I will, I will drive give you out an, an angel for your nation. That's right. I'll give an angel for your nation. And I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. And it's like, well, hey, this is all good. How can this be a discipline? But notice the next thing. But I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Isn't that so, interesting? So is, is the, you know, back to the compassionate discipline of Babel, is God dividing the nations among the sons of God saying, listen, I don't want to go to the flood again, but humanity remains a stiff-necked people. I'm, I'm not going to abide with all of them. I'm going to set one nation apart for myself. Again, this is right before he calls Abraham, uh, who's Abram at the time. But I'm entrusting the others to the, to the divine council, to the heavenly court, to the sons of God. Is that what, is that what you're getting at? Yeah, and it's it's interesting that Moses later pushes back and says, "Hey, listen, what's going to separate us from all the other nations? They've got angels too. <laughs> They've got angels too." So, it's interesting that Moses pushes back on this to God and and says, "Listen, uh look, um if you don't go with us, we don't want to go." Um and God ultimately does go with them, but God was not going to go with them because he was protecting them from his presence. And and, and by the way, this, and, and it needs to be that's, said that it needs to be said. That's also the story of cleft in the rock where God yeah, protected yeah, I was about Moses. To say, this, this is, uh, Ooh, that's interesting. Uh, but this is, it also needs to be said that this is the story between um, the instruction for the tabernacle and the building of the tabernacle. Mm, right. Yeah. This is, uh, in other words, uh, this is in Babel, they were trying to go up to God and, in tabernacle, God is going to come down and dwell among them. When it looks like they're, when God's own people still look like a Babel people, he said, let me give you guys an angel instead of me because I'm worried I might consume you. Moses says, God, if you're not going to come down and dwell in our midst, don't take us from here. We don't, in we fact, don't stand, let me read it to you specifically. In uh, Exodus 33, 14. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. So going back to what you said a few minutes ago, God just promised them an angel to go give them success and give them the land of the milk and land of milk and honey. That doesn't make them the exception. According to Moses, that makes them like every other nation in the world that has, in their worldview, their angel. But God's presence is here with his people. It's interesting how that fits together. That is interesting. Okay. So I have another question. This is good. This is a rabbit hole. I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is the direction we want to go in, but I'm going to ask the question I'm, any, I'm, anyway. I'm standing by the yurtle, the turtle thing. It's turtles all the way down. 
Right. It's all the way down. This, this, this is this okay. is this is Oprah looking out at the nation's representative, her audience, saying, "You get an angel. You get an angel. You get an angel. <laughs> Check under your seats. Everybody gets an angel." Right. Right. Okay, so but that actually encapsulates what I'm going to ask. It, we, in previous episode, we were saying that maybe one of the reasons why all these other cultures had these, you know, these ideas of pantheons and different gods is because they were under the rule of these divine spirits. But surely these people worshiping these divine spirits assigned by God isn't a good thing. Right. So, so here, so can I, can I talk to that at two levels, please? So number one, all the nations, you know, that have common narratives from the old Testament, it's, it's everything before this, not everything after this. Have you noticed that Babel becomes, that is a good point. Babel becomes the point where, uh, ancient stories of antiquity diverge. In other words, mm. w- you have creation stories that look like the Genesis story. We talked about that in Genesis 1 and 2. You have flood accounts everywhere. You have things that look like Babel. You don't have the story of the patriarchs because that's where leadership diverges. So right. that's point number one. Point number two, because of that, you know, your earlier question that you let off with, is it a good thing or a bad thing that God is turning over the nations to the sons of God? Well, that depends on what the sons of God do with it. And that's where, you know, I think we need to go uh, with the remainder of this episode is back to um, that key passage for Heiser. Heiser said the turning point in how he read the Old Testament was Psalm 82, Right. Uh, and so let's let's go to Psalm 82 in the few moments that we have, a uh, few minutes that we have left uh, in the ESV, because it starts off, uh, God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods he holds judgment. That is weird to read. God sits in the midst of the gods. How what does that, that sound like, Gandalf? That sounds like some Greek mythology stuff, uh, right? Uh, it it it, sa- it sounds different when you're reading it for the first time uh, until, you know, and we've already parsed out what this is all about when we were looking at uh, earlier in Genesis. But what's so interesting is why is God judging the sons of God? Why is God judging the lower Elohim? Well, read, read the rest of the passage, right? Well, it's six through eight. You can find it. Um, uh, Psalm 82, I, I, six through I eight. I said... I said, you are God's Elohim there, sons of the Most High. This is sons of God language, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Uh, Why? Because you see it's precisely, uh, go go to uh, verse 2. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. In other words, I put these nations under your charge, and you have been poor stewards of them. Right? Mm. By the way, Mm. fast forward to the New Testament. Uh, Oh, go to Psalm 2. Uh, when God says to his son, and this is a psalm used at Jesus' baptism, ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. What does the New Testament right. teach that what does the New Testament teach that the sons and daughters of God will inherit in Christ? The nations. Who will right. we in, who will we inherit them from? Right. And the also rebe- we'll, we'll judge angels. That's it. It all so that it's so weird, but it all goes together. So uh, I think if you were to talk about uh, using language like gods, like, wait a second, there are 
there are actual gods over the other nation, like lowercase g. So like Gandalf and, and you, Nathan, we've all grown up in similar environments and stuff like that. Such things were foreign, never talked about in church. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. It's because this is not the central message of the Bible, but it is there. Well, and um, it's partially because it's one of those things, if you don't, I mean, the podcast affords us an opportunity to take our time and nuance that. You know, if you said this as correct. a one-off, if you said this as a one-off comment or framework in a sermon or a Bible study, it would just be it would be just enough to scandalize everybody in the room, right? Uh, <coughs> because you couldn't take the time to you know parse it out, as opposed to the podcast where we can literally stand well, still correct. So and keep we keep are promising not- to move forward. <laughs> We are not saying, nor is the Bible teaching polytheism, that there are multiple gods that are ontologically all the same. No, we believe the Bible teaches that there is one creator God manifested in three three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but that there are many divine beings that God has created and that these divine beings are created higher than humanity. We are created lower than the angels. So therefore, they are God-like to us as humans in the sense of lowercase g. They are more than men and women. So there, there is this created class of beings, the lowercase g gods that are talked about in the Bible. So it shouldn't shock us. It shouldn't shock us to see these kinds of stories in the Bible. And it also, honestly... When you look at the language of principalities and powers in the New Testament, thinking also of Daniel and talking about in Daniel 10, when he talks about the prince over the kingdom of Greece and the prince over the kingdom of Persia, and clearly he's referencing spiritual beings there. Where does that worldview come from? Well, I think it comes from here. Deuteronomy 32 and Psalm 82. Yeah, so some of the... We were talking about this before we recorded. Uh, It's not that the concepts are totally unfamiliar. It's that the concepts in this language is not that familiar. Like, you know, because when when we're in Ephesians and you hear about, uh, you know, powers and principalities, or you hear uh, the devil referred to as the prince of the power of the air... Like that, that's not altogether scandalous. It's when you hear lowercase g, God's language with that, that it, that it becomes different and something to process, right? Um, if, Nathan, if I'm remembering correctly, I don't have McDermott's work in front of me, but I'm pretty sure he used this word where he said that it seems to be that these Elohim, these spiritual beings, heavenly beings, masqueraded as the gods of the nations. And in a sense, they presented themselves to their assigned people groups as gods to be worshipped rather than uh, stewards Again, They're being judged for something in Psalm 82. Yes. Um, and, you know, going with that, I, th- I think of scenes in the Old Testament like, you know, uh, I think of the Philistines when they take the ark at Shiloh, First Samuel four, and they bring it and they present it before their god, Dagon. Dagon. What what does Dagon do with the ark? Well, he falls in front of it. Yeah, he bows to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, in other words, you <laughs> even for even for them, 
you can have lots of little case, uh, lowercase g gods uh, here and there, but they're certainly never confused about who the only uppercase G singular God is. You know, it's um, interesting. And, and uh, I believe it's Michael Heiser points that out in his book that in that story, when Dagon falls in front of the ark, it, it says there in the text that even to this day, the priests of Dagon do not tread over that space where the ark of the covenant was that, in a sense, in their minds, that what Dr. Heisen points out is that that land, that little segment of land was claimed by the God of Israel, that that no longer bowed to Dagon because Dagon lost that battle there. It's incident. interesting. That is interesting. Um, so Gandalf, how do you like, this is all weird stuff. And by the way, again, it's, this is your first episode. You're probably thinking, man, these guys are crazy. But if this is your first episode, I beg you, go back and listen to earlier stuff. I promise right. it, it, it makes sense. If this is your first episode, don't forget about that five-star rating <laughs> and written review. No. <laughs> That's right. Like if you're on Spotify. <laughs> Subscribe if you're on Apple Podcasts. Mm. And then you can leave your one-star review and say these guys are crazy. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, so we're not trying to be weird or novel. But if you take this stuff as it's presented in the story and we're, as we're trying to connect these dots, this stuff does connect. We read about these characters later. They're called principalities and powers. They're called the gods of the nations. Shouldn't we expect to find them earlier if they are obviously found later? And I, mm. I think, yes, here they are. And we're starting to see some of their story here. It's very interesting to hear to hear terms like these that you associate with, you know, mythology from ancient cultures, but it's with the Bible because you don't normally associate these ideas with stories from the Bible. So also what's interesting to me, the the thing I typically get is, well, Matt, why don't we have more information about these guys, these creatures or well, why isn't there more stuff? And they I think the quick answer is this is not their story. That's it. In other words, you hear about them insofar as they interact uh, with the characters that, that the story is about. Right. They they are there, but I think that is one of the primary reasons they're at war with God, is that from the beginning, they have sought to make this their story, and it's not working. Well, good deal. Well, th uh, thank you for answering my questions. I realized that this entire podcast was answering two questions that I had. I don't know if that's where we intended to go, but I thank you for it. And I think it's probably many of the listeners probably have the same questions. So I think it was productive, but listener, if you do have questions, Matt talked about it earlier, please send us a message at uh, better than fiction, We do read every single one. So don't think it's going on a pile, you know, and no one's ever reading it. Like, uh, at the, like uh, if you guys ever watch Lost, right, where they send the numbers up and it just goes into a pile that no one ever <laughs> reads. This is not that. We all three of us read every single message we get. So I was thinking of that opposite, uh, that episode of The Office, for I do read the memos. Oh. <laughs> or Dwight's file in Syracuse, right? Uh, <laughs> which is just under Toby's desk. It's not going anywhere. That's right. So, listener, for you, that's a, we, we're presenting to you a tall order. We're telling you to like and subscribe to the podcast. We're telling you to write a written review, to leave us message on our website, and to tell your friends about it. If you can handle all of that, I, you know what? I think this is the podcast for you. 
And we're going to be back every Tuesday with a new episode. So please subscribe. That way you don't miss it. And we will see you there. Until then, have a good week. See you next time. Shalom. Recording.